Hi, I'm Harini. Hi, I'm Camille. And welcome back to the News Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the News Podcast. Um, Today we're really lucky to be able to talk to Anna. Hi guys, um, I'm Anastasia. Um, I'm a third year student at Hartford College uh, studying Japanese. So I'm very excited to be here today. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Um, today we're going to be talking um, a little bit about Anastasia's story. Um, so if you want to just start where you want to start and kind of tell us what you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I saw that you guys did a sexual assault awareness month. And I thought that was really powerful. And I thought that I'd really like to come on here and just talk about um, my experience um, with the subject and, and more specifically, just sort of to destigmatize the conversation around sexual assault and rape, and specify that, like, no matter what the event was, the trauma that comes after is valid in every single way for every person. I'm 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 really happy to be here. So thank you. <laughs> happy to have you on. That's so good to hear. Like I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that we've created like an environment that you're happy speaking to us in. That's really important. Hundred percent. Just for context, would you mind, and if you're comfortable doing so, explaining what happened to you a little bit so that our viewers yeah. understand like what what's going on. <laughs> yes. Um. So I, so I was raised in uh, Los Angeles, California. I'm German, but I went, you know, I went to school and was raised in LA. I think, I think context on a bit of like how I grew up is relevant to the story just for context of like, how did I get in this situation? Like what brought me to this event? Uh, My parents are, are divorced and my dad isn't in the picture so you know was raised by a single mom and we lived in a very sketchy area of of LA and uh you know it was it was a bit scary growing up in that environment because as you know guns are legal in the U.S. so you know like you hear things you see things but so but I think being raised in an environment like that I was always very cautious I was raised to be cautious of my environment, of my surroundings, which I think also really adds to the fact that like, I felt guilty about what happened. Like I should have known better, but I was 13. Um, and I was dragged to this sort of event at, uh, at a restaurant in LA in the city by my very responsible father. And, uh, it was sort of a big event and a lot of noise. And there was this, it was, a, and everyone was inside in the restaurant um, at the bar most, mostly. And there was an outdoor patio and the patio was sort of, it was like a small gated outdoor sitting area. And it, the gate was bordering the street. And I was sat alone in the corner of this, of the patio on the side next to the street. And um, I don't really remember how, uh, you know, everyone sort of disappeared, like they were all inside. And I was just sort of out there, probably just sat on my phone, um, uh, you know, not that excited to be there. <laughs> so I sort of hear this noise coming from the other side of the, the small gate from the street. And I sort of look up and there's these guys on the other side of the gate sort of yelling at me or just somebody and going, you know, come here, whatever. 
sort of, you know, saying, oh, this and that, you know, what's, what's your name, all this stuff and sort of shouting. And I was just like, I felt very uncomfortable. So I decided to get up and leave. And it happened in a split second. But um, suddenly there was this, you know, older man, um, maybe in his, you know, mid 60s, I'd say, um, wearing a wearing a suit, a sort of cream colored suit. And uh, I was sat, this table was a long table this way, the street was here, and the, and, and the wall was on the other side. So I was cornered in, essentially. Um, and he, he came up to me and blocked my way, right, because I'm in between the wall and the table, there was nowhere to go. So he blocked my, blocked my exit, essentially. And, um, you know, just started asking me questions like, oh, where are you from? What's your name? Um, how old you are? Like, how old am I? And I, you know, I was like, oh, my name's this and I'm 13. Like, I didn't know, like, I, I was so confused. Like, I didn't know who the man was. And, um, and I was just like, excuse me. And like, I tried to like, go move around, but he put his arm up against the wall and like, effectively, like, was like, you're not allowed to leave. Right. And, um, and, um, he he sort of started complaining about you know oh you can't be 13 and all this like sort of just like telling me that i oh i don't look my age or whatever it was um and i remember i and honestly like a, some of the in between is a bit of a blur but suddenly like he reached around behind my back and Put his hands up my dress um and i think that like the shock of feeling his hands on my skin in that area um was was paralyzing mm -hmm. i couldn't move i couldn't speak i couldn't run it felt like my my limbs weren't moving um like I couldn't, I could, I just couldn't do anything. And I think that's an experience that a lot of people have. And I think that's a lot of where like the guilt stems from is like you like, and especially with my single mother, like in the area that I grew up, it's like, this is, I guess that's why the context is important is like, I was taught, like, if anything happens, you scream, you run, you yell, you, you ask for help, yeah. like anything. I think that the reality is, is when you're in a situation like that, you're paralyzed by fear. There really isn't anything that I could have done better and I think that's a lot about a lot about the healing that I'd like to talk about after mm. right so I was paralyzed by you know him touching me there and um and I couldn't I, I didn't know what to say I was shocked and um and I sort of snapped into it after a couple maybe a minute or two um and I finally just like ducked under his arm and I ran away and I, I ran into the restaurant to try and find my dad who was drunk. Um, and um, I tried to ask for help and sort of people just ignored me. And it took a minute to try and get somebody to like hear me like crying. Like I was hysterically crying, asking for help. Um, and I think it was just a bit like it almost felt, it almost felt invisible <laughs> um, in that moment. And I didn't really know how to explain it or process it because I because I was young. Um, 
But um, finally, by the time I had gotten somebody's attention, he was already gone. He had, he was he was running out of the restaurant already, out of this event. Um, but um, so then I of course I mean I didn't really know how to, but I I did tell my mom about what happened, and uh, we filed a police report. And um, um. The police came to my house, um, you know, one day before school. Um, and I remember they, they came in and sort of sat down with me and, you know, said, oh, could you identify him? If we placed him in a lineup. What was he wearing? What what did he what did he say to you? Um, you know, what was the time um, of the occurrence? Like very specific things. And um I remember them telling my mom, like, if you wanted to pursue this case and press charges, it would be a really long endeavor of, you know, court trials and, you know, putting her back into the position of trying to identify, like, her um, aggressor, right? And um, they sort of just said, like, it's up to you, but it could be more harmful than it is doing good. Um, and I do, I do see that now that like, it probably would have been a long, long process. Mm -hmm. And I was only 13, um, but, um, and it sort of just felt like some sort of fevered dream. Like it wasn't real, like having the police come to my house and question me about what happened. And then they, the state of California, essentially for, for victims of sexual assault or rape, um or anything in that realm like they 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 make you go to like psychotherapy um and so I remember going to this strange building and in the city and like sitting in this room and it was so strange like it was this room full of like colorful like lego blocks and toys and and I, I was just supposed to sit there and there was this big like glass mirrored mirror like a mirror and essentially like there's therapists behind there just observing my behavior. Um, and it just made me feel like, it just really dehumanized me. And like, I just didn't, it just felt like I was sort of this like weird animal or just like this broken thing in this cage. And like, what you know, like what were they supposed to, you know, assess about my behavior? Um, I hated it. I like, I, it just, it just didn't feel real. Um, and, uh, I was supposed to go back to school, like everything was normal. But the reality is, is that your perspective on everything changes, like your life changes. Um, and, um, but, uh, so maybe month, a month later, the police came back to say that, um, and I think this is the pivotal moment of the story, is that they came back to say, essentially, he'd escaped from the, the, California, which means that he jumped county lines, mm. which means that they have to like send it to another police department, which then would be like months and months and months of extra, like essentially he was never going to be caught. Um, there was not going to be justice and he never was caught. Um, but what they did say was that um, he was already convicted of sexual assault. 
um, multiple times. He was already in their books. He was he he was already he was already, you know, on the run from the police. Um, more specifically, because he was the prime suspect in a kidnapping, and I think that's really when all the pieces came together. Because I remembered these men outside behind the gate, screaming and yelling, trying to sort of grab me from this gate. And I was sort of wondering who they were speaking to. And it just, it just all made sense. Um, so I, you know, with, through all the trauma, like I do count my blessings that I, that, um, that I wasn't kidnapped. Um, because it happens in an instant. And it was the perfect setup. It was. Um, I was next to the street. I was alone. I was young. Um, so yeah. Um, but um, I think that the weeks and maybe months after what had happened, it was really hard to process being at school. And what do you tell your friends, you know? What do you say? Um, and uh, you really become a different person, I think. Um, I, I struggled with PTSD, you know, um, and small things trigger you very un like unfortunately they do and like it's the smell on some like the smell of alcohol on someone's breath it's the same colored suit that he was wearing um a, someone who looked like him um the smell of cigarettes dark corners like very specific things that just really bring you back to that moment and i think that nobody really speaks about these very specific things that you go through after having been sexually assaulted or raped um, or kidnapped for that matter. Um, and, um, and, and I really, I really do believe like it's a dom it's like a domino effect of things. Um, and I, and that's what I think it's like that I, that I really do want to emphasize is that it's not, it's not an event that happens in isolation. It, it, it is like a, it's a trigger for the rest of the things that come after, um, like body dysmorphia, eating disorder, PTSD, depression, anxiety, OCD. There are so many things that you can really sort of relate back to this one event. And I think that's what people don't really talk about that much is that, is that it's really talked about like this event happened and then the rest, and like, and then it's separate from the from the rest of the, the life or the things that come after. But it isn't like you. It's not an event in isolation, and it and it and it affects so many things. Um, and but most of all, how you see yourself, right? I think it's so hard not to sort of internalize this sort of misogynistic view. Um, uh, and more specifically, how people talk about sexual assault and rape. Um, and I think that like struggling with it at a really young age, I didn't know what to do. And it's, and you know, my, my, like, I love my mom, but like, she was busy working. Like she didn't have the time to like, 
sit down and really, really like psychoanalyze my behavior as a 13 year old. Um, a lot of it was just, oh, it's just because of how, you know, it's just in your age, all girls go through that, you know, body dysmorphia, eating disorder, like, oh, it's, it's for, you know, that happens to everybody. But like, I think it's like this brushing under the rug that so many people do. And like, I, I remember having someone like um, um, the partner of my dad at the time tell me that I was lying. She said, yeah, she said, um, she said, oh, like, you know, sort of like silly girl, like stop saying things like that. Like it's all a bunch of crap or whatever. Um, and um, and I think that it just feels so invalidating um, not only to be told that, you know, you're lying, but also when you're so young, people don't want to believe you. They don't want to see it. Um, and also like the narratives in the media about sexual assault and rape are so like polarized. It's one narrative that's replayed without any nuances, which then tells you that like, whatever your experience is, because it doesn't fit in this box, it's not valid. Mm -hmm. And growing up with that, like, I, I just felt like I had to make it disappear. And I, and I did for a really long time. I never spoke to anybody about it ever again because nobody was able to understand. And it's also a, a, a topic of conversation that's so stigmatized that like the second you even say anything about it, people sort of back up. They, they go within themselves, like they don't know how to react. They don't know what to say. Um, and I think that's also something that even if it's not meant nastily, like it does hurt when you, when you say, oh, I, I went through this and someone then goes, oh oh and then sort of change the subject like it just feels like oh like did is there something wrong with me it feels like there's like a like a stain like a visible stain on my face like someone's like looking at um and um so yeah I think that yeah it, it I didn't know how to deal with all these feelings of validation of depression of PTSD and um and, you know, to have my friends sort of look at me and be like, oh, like you've changed or you're different or, you know, but I never just talked about it ever again. Um, but I think that like throughout the years, um, I've definitely healed from it in various different ways. <laughs> um, and I, and I, did, I did see a, a therapist for a very long time. Um, and maybe that's taboo but it shouldn't be <laughs> because um, therapy was really great. Um, but yeah, that is, that is my story. Um, and I, I probably am forgetting bits and pieces of it just because it's sort of like this whirlwind in my head still, but um, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing it, honestly. Like, I was gonna say it was so brave. My goodness, it was so brave of you to go through everything like that. Thank you so much for sharing it. I can't imagine to go through all of that at such a young age. I think like you do like feel really sorry about yourself. And I think that like once you can overcome that, you can start to feel like yourself again. Because it is like yeah. this internalized like victim victimization, isn't it? And like, that's why I really like the word survivor mm. because you're not a victim and 
I remember my mom always telling me that, like, you are not a victim. You're not a victim. Um, um, and I think that, like, even though even though people tell you that, it's really hard not to feel like a victim. But I do remember, like, every every day, like, looking at myself in the mirror, like, you're not a victim. Like, you're not a victim. <laughs> um, um, maybe that's crazy, but, like, but it, it is so tough um, to, to, to believe it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's a really powerful statement. 100%, especially when you were saying about, like, who you were beforehand and afterwards. I agree with the coming out of almost deciding how you're going to deal with it, about whether you're going to go for, like, to believe yourself as a survivor. You're so right. It's so difficult to do. But it's like a whole journey to find yourself again. Like there's like a whole period of your life afterwards that is kind of lost because you're no longer the person that you were before. And then you have to like all of the things that you loved about yourself beforehand and all the things that you want to be as a person, you have to like start from scratch, essentially. No, and to go through that at such a young age is ridiculous because you're changing as a person mm. anyway, you're growing up. And then to then have to navigate that is 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 crazy yeah and you're so right about seeing like people don't want to believe you because they don't want it to be true like because then they have to decide how they're going to deal with a survivor of sexual assault literally and they're like what's easier if i don't believe them because then i don't have to look at that guilt in myself like i don't have to pump with a a reaction yeah and i remember like i think my mom like even told like the dean or the principal or whoever whoever it was like you know this happened and i and I swear, like, I don't even remember them saying a word. Like, like it was just so, like, surreal to, to just, like, come yeah. back into class and be, like, the teacher being, oh, you're tardy. Like, go get a tardy slip from the from the principal and, like, come back and sit down. And, like, uh, it was just so, like, it, it, it's, like, you have all these things inside your head, inside your body. And it's, like, all this happened and all you want to do is scream. But then you're just sat there in a s- silent classroom and what do, what do you say like it's just so it's really it's really scary it's very eerie um and I and I think that from the age of what 14 and I developed like severe eating disorder and it was just getting worse and worse and 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 it's like I remember my friends being like like we we don't want to be around you because like we feel uncomfortable like with your eating habits and like how you and I and I you know, it's funny, like, I felt very upset, but I also was like, I understand, like, I get it, because, mm-hmm. like, the last thing I'd want to do is trigger other people, you know, um, but, yeah, I think that, like you said, like, it, it is so, so difficult to deal with, like, this aftermath, maybe even more so than the actual event that comes mm-hmm. after. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I, point about guilt. I think is is a really really interesting one because it's so easy not to no, it's so easy to feel guilt towards yourself and blame yourself, especially when I think the narrative surrounding sexual assault is towards you know the victim, the survivor, rather than the aggressor or the people around you who have to like come on side, will deal with it, I guess, and like support you. There's the narrative is you know you should do this, you shouldn't wear this, you shouldn't go out at night, and. Uh, um, and even afterwards, you know, this is how you should actually go report it. You should talk to this person. You should talk to that person. Go seek therapy. Don't tell this person. Um, mm. So I think when the onus is all on you to go through something like that and then deal with it yourself, um, it is really easy 
to to place blame within yourself yeah yeah it's the same as what you're saying about like how did I let this happen kind of thing like I should have done yeah. this differently I like I should have known better and especially because also you think of, like all the things that your parents have always told you or that like society has always told you about like keeping yourself safe mm-hmm. but it's ridiculous because like the person who's done this is never going to think twice like they're not going to be like oh my gosh I can't believe I did that like they're not going to have like a whole like internal monologue are they obviously not so it's yeah it's it weighs on you so much and you're so right like that's such common I think like reaction to it is like how did I as an individual like how was I so stupid to let this happen kind of like a really like frustration even though obviously it's not it's not your fault it's it's no one's fault it's all yeah I think it's just tough to deal with like the emotions of like like you said guilt of shame of like you feel so disgusted with yourself mm-hmm. it's like you can never wash your hands enough that you can never yeah. have your body clean enough it's yeah. so you just feel like you're covered in this stain and like you cannot get it off like like it it just feels so demoralizing um and and I feel like whatever way that you deal with it I mean, I just dealt with it by like believing in essentially a lie that I was fine and tried to move on with my life in the best way that I could. Um, But whatever way you do push through it is valid. There is no right way to deal with it. But I think that like having more people really talk about those specific like mental challenges does can give somebody an example Cause like, I remember being 13 and like, I, nobody, like literally nobody I knew had ever, I've never heard about it. No one's spoken about it. Like, I just didn't know what to, like, I just didn't know what to do. Um, And like, I would have loved for somebody to be like, here are some tools that you can use to combat that. Or like, here's something that you can tell yourself to do. Like, I remember um every time I get like I still get really bad anxiety attacks and they come out of nowhere but um but and I and I it's like I've I've had them ever since what happened so yeah I think that there's all these elements that that you confront after an event and I think that to to re-emphasize the magnitude of the event is not as important as what comes after everything that you experienced no matter what the event was is valid in every way no matter what you hear no matter what you see in the media like whatever whatever the you know the common narrative is you have your own story and your own feelings and it's completely valid in every way and I think that growing up um from a young age like I wish I had an example of of somebody to to be like this is how I this is what happened to me and this is how I got through it. Cause I think you hear a lot of, this is what happened. Like the whole news headlines, like X, Y, Z happened, like, and you know, and, and it's just like shocking, but then it's like, well, what about after? What, ha- what happened to that young woman after, right? Like there's all these questions. Um, and I think no one addresses that. And I think I would have loved to have an example of where to start, where to start, with myself um because no one tells you how to do that and you can't you can't there's no good way to to or no good example of being like oh you know you must do it this certain specific way like but I think it's 
it's someone telling you here's a good place to start right um and i i mean like more recently like i have obviously um have have you know really um healed or felt heard by reading all the testimonies on everyone's invited um i think it's a really really great outlet um and i've also submitted um my story onto everyone's invited um and um i think it's a great platform um and because it because it doesn't address exactly that like it it is it's not about like um you know sh like headlining stories it's about sharing stories it's about having everybody feel heard no matter what the circumstances are and you and you see so many different variations right from one extreme to the next of of topics on sexual assault and rape and i think that's it's just so validating um because you know that you fit somewhere in the narrative right no matter what it is um and uh i mean i i in a way um have come on here to sort of help myself heal still you know because um i was always so afraid to to literally say the words i am a survivor of sexual assault because it places a label on your head and um you don't want to be known as that you don't want your name and then survival of sexual assault because like it's so hard to confront so i never i never thought of myself that way and i never wanted anybody else to think of myself that way but i think that what i've come to understand after so many so many years is that it's okay it's okay to talk about it to make people feel uncomfortable it's okay because because it because you should be able to talk about it and it is a part of your story and it is how you how it is a part of how you became who you are today it's it's okay that it's a part of the story but what's important is that it doesn't define you it doesn't it doesn't say your name bracket like sexual survivor like that that's not what happens and like it's having to confront that image in your head um and you know whatever way anybody looks at you like that's them it's not you um and i think that like this has really allowed me to come on here and and confront that aspect right because um you can't look at somebody and go oh yes looks exactly like you know <laughs> like <laughs> you would never know you would never know and and i think that's why it's also very hard to find a sort of a community um yeah. to talk to talk to other people because it's not some something that you know that you wear on your sleeve and it and it and and it's not something that you would necessarily feel comfortable asking outright but i think that um that um that i'm i've grown enough to be able to talk about it in a very comfortable environment and 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 say out loud like i am a, a survivor of sexual assault and i almost did get kidnapped and I count my blessings every day. Um, and that's okay. It's okay that it happened. Um, and, and you know, I am where I am today because of everything that happened after. 
Um, and I think that um, if, you know, if anybody is hearing this and does relate in any way, in any capacity, in any sense of the story um, to, you know, to please, you know, reach out um, or if you have a specific question or poem or, you know, worry that please, please ask. It's completely valid and I try my best to to respond in, in a way that um, I know is helpful and or that helped me um, and to, to, to help people find a place to start, to find a place to start the healing process because I think that's really important. Thank you so much. I, mm-hmm. I, I think this whole, the whole story you've shared and the way you've shared it, I think is so incredibly powerful. I've been sat here and I feel comforted by what you're saying almost even though it's like the most horrific thing anyone can possibly share and you're so brave for sharing it I do kind of feel comforted that you have um and I'm sure that lots and lots of people out there will also feel the same so again thank you so much um and we're glad that we could give you the platform to do that yeah (laughs) I don't know how to add to what Harini said but honestly I what you said that you wish that you'd had someone to like talk to you've now become that person for everyone listening so like I hope that even though it's been difficult to talk about I hope you know none of it's been in vain um and even like if you think anyone who then reaches out to you afterwards to say that like they've been touched by it is even just the tip of the iceberg for the people who'll be feeling that way and don't want to reach out personally so like the effects of what you've said will be possibly endless I mean when you think about the butterfly effects like it will inspire someone else to talk about it will inspire someone else to talk about it will inspire someone else to talk about it um so I hope that you're really really proud of yourself after this I mean like I hope it will like uh, inspire somebody else and I think that like the reason that I can speak about it is because it did happen so many years ago like I had to grow with it right from the age of 13 but I think that like the 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 stigma around sexual assault and rape is very very prominent in a uni environment and the thing is if it happens at uni that is an environment that you that people don't feel comfortable enough to speak out in it's because you're in this sort of microcosm of like of 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 people and and everyone knows everybody and everyone's going to speak and everyone's going to talk about it and I think that that is in itself so triggering um so that's I think that's also a big reason why people wouldn't want to speak about it in in uni but I'm hoping that if it was like an anonymous forum, that if it if if in the unfortunate circumstance that you can relate, that you feel comfortable enough to 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 speak out in some way, right, or to ask a question in some capacity. Um, and I think that, like I said before, I, or I told Harini before, I I am scared. I'm afraid to talk about this. Um, in some way on on this platform because of who will listen, right? You are scared of the way that people will perceive you. And I think that I'm still afraid of whoever might listen to this, people going, oh, she's saying that for attention or, oh, it's not real or, you know, look at her above it. You know, these all these paranoid thoughts in your head. But I think, like I said, like, I feel privileged enough to come on here and and talk about it while actively confronting that fear um because it's not about the way that people perceive you it's about doing it for yourself it's about healing and it's about trying to help other people because like I said it is valid 
it's completely completely valid it's terrifying it's ter- and i think that so much of what you've said it just reminds me so much proof that like society was built around men because if women had built society literally there'd be no fear there'd be no fear talking about it because so many people who are in positions of power would have been through it and they'd understand that it's terrifying afterwards even just to, to admit to yourself to admit to your family to admit it to like people who might be listening and it's sometimes I don't know if you got this but like it's so much harder often to talk to people that have known you the longest more than complete strangers and I think that's the beauty of like everyone's invited is that no one knows you and they're reading it Thank you so much for everyone who's listened. We will continue. We're going to have another episode about it um, and actually just any additional episodes that we need to, to finish covering the topic about rape culture in society through the media, especially dealing with it afterwards and like PTSD and what that leads to and everything like that. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Anastasia, for being here. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode or you would like to appear on one, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at admin at newslondon.co.uk or more likely you can DM us on our Instagram at news underscore LDN. And all of these episodes are available to listen to on every single streaming platform out there or can be found along with our blog, our gallery and our hype page on www.newslondon.co.uk. Have a good week.